Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. It is signing day. The future is now for college football as the 2022 class puts pen to paper. Good morning. It is Wednesday, December 15th. I am your host, Lance Glenn. Before we start, I wanted to remind everyone to tune in today from 9 a.m. Eastern to 4 p.m. Eastern as 24-7 Sports brings you the National Signing Day Show on CBS Sports HQ. So if you're listening and it's not 9 a.m. Eastern yet, make sure to get your TVs ready. And if it is already past 9 a.m., well, then make sure to change that channel right now to CBS Sports HQ. Today is the beginning of the early signing period. If you tuned into the College Football Daily yesterday, you heard the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast Early Signing Day Preview Show. And as always, Blair and Gulo and company do a great job. So as I was thinking about what we could do today, I thought to myself, hey, let's look back on the biggest what ifs of the past classes. You know, what if player X stayed committed to Y school? What if player X chose one school over the other? And how would these decisions, if they change, have affected this past season? So joining me now to look back and think about those what ifs is 24-7 Sports National College Football writer, Chris Hummer. Chris, how are we doing? Thanks so much for coming on and joining me. I'm doing good. I'm honored to lead off on uh, the early signing period. This is like our Christmas over here at 24-7 Sports. I I feel like you could have got some better guests, but I'll do my best to step up to the plate. Well, let me tell you something. Christmas is a interesting word for it because I think Christmas is something that you're supposed to enjoy. You know, we've been working hard at 24-7 Sports, much harder than I'm sure anyone else would work to prepare for Christmas as we prepare for National Signing Day. But yes, it is a huge day. Obviously, you can't sugarcoat that. It's it's the biggest day, uh, one of the biggest days in the lives of, of obviously all these kids signing as they're choosing their next school and where they'll be playing their college football at. So first and foremost, Chris, I do want to start off with this. I want to ask you, where does Signing Day kind of sit in your best days of the college football? football cycle, right? For me, it's got to be top three. And maybe that's because I'm a Rutgers fan and we haven't had much winning lately. So I'm always, you know, looking towards the future. Oh, who are we going to sign to hopefully get us over the hump? But where does early signing day rank for you in the college football year? Well, um, I think I would take that question two ways. As an employee who works in the recruiting industry, it is unquestionably exhausting, but it's a lot of fun. So I can't complain too much. In terms of the actual calendar itself, I think it's a top two or three day for me. There's all like a good Saturday is always going to be the early signing period or national signing day, whatever you want to call it. Like amazing games and amazing finishes will always win, but there's no guaranteed great Saturday on the calendar. You know what I mean? There's just 12 hopeful Saturdays in that way. But growing up, I used to, I remember waking up in the mornings and I grew up rooting for teams in Texas and I would go to their school pages on another recruiting website that I will not name in this podcast. I would like look at to see who was going to sign that day. I would see where our team's class ranking was. And it was one of the best days of the year. And I think that feeling still happens during the early signing period. It's quite a bit different. Transfers factor into it quite a bit, but it's, it's still an awesome day. I wanted to talk about this piece that you wrote, the what ifs of the 2021 season. And it really, the piece as a whole really makes you think. And I want to start with, in my opinion, the biggest what if. What if Bryce Young stayed committed to USC and never flipped to Alabama? You know, is he the answer to Clay Helton's problems at USC? Is Paul Tyson right now leading the tide in the college football playoff? Is, is Lincoln Riley 
still at Oklahoma right now. If Bryce Young would have ended up being Clay Helton's answer, you know, I think far and away, and I'd love to hear your print on this. I think far and away, this was the biggest what if of the 2021 season. Yeah. And just briefly, I love college football and college football recruiting largely because it always is space for what ifs. There are 85 scholarship players and 130 rosters, which makes college football rife for like what if scenarios. We always talk about like, what if Babe Ruth would have stayed on the Red Sox or something? Well, there's a hundred Babe Ruth cycle in college football. Like these kids flip and they almost commit to, and they do all these things and it makes it so interesting. And I think Bryce is definitely the most notable one of this cycle. Um, A little background on Bryce Young. He was a UCLA fan growing up. His dad went to that school. Um, The whole family had UCLA gear growing up, but UCLA didn't offer Bryce until almost his junior year. That allowed USC to get in the picture. Bryce Young committed to USC as a 10th grader. And he looked like he was going to be a Pretty safe USC lock moving on, but USC really struggled his junior season. Clay Heldon was almost fired that year, if people remember correctly. Clay Heldon almost got fired like four times before he was actually fired. This was, I believe, the first time of that. Bryce Young flipped to Alabama. The rest is history. But if you put Bryce Young on USC this year, I don't know if it saves Clay Heldon's job, but they're definitely not going four and eight. If you take Bryce Young off of Alabama this year, Alabama's not making playoff. Bryce Young was that important. No other quarterback was going to do what Bryce Young did in that system this year, especially early in the year with that offensive line struggling. He was magnificent. And if that's the case, like, is Notre Dame in the playoff lance instead of Alabama? Georgia wins the SEC. Maybe Lincoln Riley has Bryce Young under center for him next year. There's just so many interesting, compelling scenarios that come off of that one uh, decision for Bryce Young to flip from uh, USC to Alabama. And I do want to say uh, for all the listeners, we're going to be talking about, along with Bryce Young, three other what-ifs, but Chris has six or seven more that we're not going to be talking about uh, in his article. So make sure to to read it on 247sports.com if you haven't already. So I wanted to stay with a what if that has to deal with a college football playoff team. What if Xavier Worthy stayed at Michigan and never left for Texas? Look, Michigan's had its best season in a long time, of course, but I feel like it's forgotten to a point that in Michigan's first game of the season, they lost star receiver Ronnie Bell to injury. Now, of course, look, with adversity comes opportunity and the maize and blue have had others step up. But nobody in this group right now for Michigan is Ronnie Bell. And nobody in this group is the weapon that Xavier Worthy was for Texas this year. So it makes you wonder if he stayed at Michigan, just how much more of a threat that offense would be through the air to complement what Michigan already has, which is obviously such a powerful running game. Yeah, absolutely. And Michigan, Michigan's whole offense is built around the run game and play action. And to be honest, like it's worked out okay for Michigan. They're a top 20 team in terms of uh, total offense, in terms of yards per play. But without Ronnie Bell, they really have missed that receiving element to kind of take the top off a defense element that Xavier Worthy and his 10-5 speed provides. Like imagine Xavier Worthy, if you put him in this Michigan offense, just would provide a whole new and different dynamic to what Michigan can do through the air. I don't think Michigan has a single receiver averaging more than 16 yards per catch. I believe Cornelius uh, Johnson's at the top of that. If you put Xavier, Xavier Worthy out there, and allow him to stretch the field vertically, it creates even more room for Hassan Askins and Blake Horum. It gives Cade McNamara another option deep, and I just think it makes Michigan significantly more dangerous than they already are. And Xavier Worthy was supposed to be on this team. He signed with Michigan. It was a complicated situation, but it had to do with Xavier Worthy not being able to enroll early like he wanted to, and that resulted in Xavier Worthy just leaving to go to Texas. And it was huge for Texas this year. He was Texas' best offensive player, not named B. John Robinson. And there were games that Xavier Worthy won on his own. But if you take Xavier Worthy off Texas, they're probably only going to win four games this season. If you put Xavier Worthy on Michigan, 
I feel pretty confident they beat Michigan State and they're the number one seed in the playoff. And I think they would also just have a much better chance of beating Georgia uh, come playoff time if Xavier Worthy was on the roster. And, you know, you mentioned Michigan State, and I want to stay in the state of Michigan for this one. What if Kenneth Walker never transferred and stayed at Wake Forest? Now, look, Wake's offense was obviously dynamic this season, but it's one, I guess you could say, weak spot was its running game. You know, Michigan State, on the other hand, what are they without Kenneth Walker? You know, you asked a good question in your article. Mel Tucker, obviously a $95 million extension. Does he get that without Kenneth Walker? I say probably not. And I say they probably end up losing to Michigan too, which obviously would have had an even greater effect on the world of college football this season. Because like you said, if Michigan is undefeated right now, then there's a pretty good chance they're the number one seed. And like you said, they would be playing Cincinnati right now in the college football playoff, as opposed to having to play Georgia, uh, obviously in the semifinal. Yeah. And I, I love college football right now because I've no, I've done this article for a few years and I've never mentioned the transfer, but with the way the transfer portal works, we kind of have to with Kenneth Walker. And as you said, I don't think Mel Tucker gets that extension. He wins eight games this year, not 10. They're not beating uh, Michigan. As you said, they're not beating Penn State without Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker was the key to unlocking that entire offense. And on the other side of things for Wake, like Wake Forest was really in balance this year offensively. Um, they finished 83rd nationally in yards per carry. Sam Hartman was throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game a lot of times, and they didn't have any ball control. I don't know if Wake Forest beats Pittsburgh in the ACC title game with Kenneth Walker, but I think they have a much better shot. So you take that. If you put Kenneth Walker on Wake Forest this year, Michigan's likely the number one seed in the college football playoff. They would get to avoid Georgia. Mel Tucker is not getting that giant extension, which might prevent people like Brian Kelly, Lincoln Riley, and quite a few others from getting absurd number, absurd salary bumps as well. So like Kenneth Walker... I mean, Mel Tucker should write Kenneth Walker a thank you note this year, but he completely (laughs) changed the college football season. Yeah, and it's funny, like you said, how all of these things kind of come together. Mel Tucker doesn't get that extension without Kenneth Walker. And like you said, if Mel Tucker doesn't get $95 million after the season he just had, maybe Brian Kelly doesn't get the contract he got from LSU. Maybe Lincoln Riley doesn't get the contract that he got from USC. So they kind of all relate back to one another. And some of these what ifs not only affect the teams that they were on and the teams that they went to, but teams that you'd think have nothing to do with it. So Chris, last one that I want to hit on it. And I'm really curious your thoughts. What if Georgia went all in on Will Anderson and he was in Athens right now instead of Tuscaloosa? You know, I don't know how much this, how much this move would have changed each team's regular season this year. It's very possible Georgia would have stayed 12 and 0 in Alabama 11 and 1. But I think this would have been a move that would have greatly impacted the SEC championship game, which Alabama won. And if these two teams are to meet in the national championship game as well. So like I said, the regular season may have stayed the same, but the impact that this move would have made in the postseason could have been huge. Yeah, it's difficult for me to say Alabama doesn't make the playoff without Will Anderson. But for my money, he was the best player in college football this year, not named Bryce Young. So I think Alabama very well could have missed the playoff without Will Anderson. And I think it's really interesting, as you said, looking forward. Because Georgia Georgia's really deep and its front seven is as good as there is in the country and as good as we've seen the last 10 years. But they are missing Adam Anderson, kind of their pass rush specialist off the edge. He was arrested earlier this year. He hasn't reserved the team activities. And if you put Will Anderson there and you put him across from Nolan Smith, the former number one overall recruit in the country, Georgia's pass rushers on the outside would just be disgusting to go along with their depth inside, which is probably going to be three early round picks the next two years in defensive tackle and nose tackle. So it's, it's pretty disgusting what Georgia would look like defensively with Will Anderson on that roster. And if you take him away from Alabama, that's just one additional chess piece 
or one additional, I don't know, queen, bishop, whatever you want to do in the chess metaphor on George's side. And these are two teams I think are going to compete for a national championship here in a month. I think they're going to play each other again. And I think Will Anderson, if you put him on Georgia, would swing that picture completely. Yeah, it really makes you think again. And it makes you think about the numbers that Will Anderson has put up as well. Because, you know, like you said, Georgia's defensive line and granted Anderson, an edge guy compared to the depth that they have inside. But we know Georgia likes to rotate on their defensive line, keep people fresh. Would Will Anderson have put up the same numbers at Georgia that he obviously has done at Alabama? I think breaking the tackles for loss record uh, this season with 32 and a half or 33. Um, But regardless, look, Will Anderson would have been a force whether he was at Georgia or obviously now at Alabama. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris underscore Hummer. If you haven't read Chris's piece on the what ifs yet, definitely go and do so. Chris, thanks so much for coming on. And I can't wait till next December where we look back at the what ifs of the 2022 season. So thanks so much for doing this, man. Enjoy signing day. Yeah, absolutely. You as well. Everybody check out 24-7 Sports for that uh, signing day coverage. Remember to give us a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to the College Football Daily. Make sure to tune in today to the National Signing Day Show on CBS Sports HQ starting at 9 a.m. Eastern. For Chris Hummer, I am Lance Lynn. We will see you tomorrow for the next edition of the College Football Daily. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts.